We're going to do that for Jesus in a moment or two. I feel the wonderful touch of God here tonight, and I am excited about being here. There are some things I do because I feel it's the will of God, and there are some things I do because I have friends that get me into them. But this I wanted to do, so I have come feeling the presence of the Holy Ghost and excitement in my soul tonight. Tonight is Sunday night, and to begin this camp meeting, I want to share something with you that is vital to all of us and that has transformed my life forever. I want to read to you tonight from the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. While you're turning there, Brother Grant and all of this district board, it is wonderful to be here and I appreciate your confidence and the privilege to come and minister among you wonderful people. The Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, Jesus is speaking here. And Jesus simply says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. These are promises made to us by God himself. Then if you look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17, this verse is comprised of just three words. There's only one other verse that is shorter comprised of two words, and that verse says, Jesus wept. But this verse is an admonition, an instruction, and in First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17, Paul admonished the church at Thessalonica to pray without ceasing. In other words, don't ever stop. Don't ever stop it. Pray without ceasing. And I want to simply entitle this tonight, Pray Without Ceasing. Would you lift your hands and your hearts and your voices, and would you lift your very soul and spirit to God tonight? Lord Jesus, in this place, where I feel tremendous hunger and excitement, we lift our voices together and our hearts and our souls and our human spirits. We, O Lord, approach unto the throne of Almighty God, asking tonight that you will draw near to us, that you will convict us anew and afresh, that you will open to us again tonight anew and afresh the word of the Lord, that somehow, God, you will draw into our proximity closer, nearer than you've ever drawn before, that you will speak to every man, every woman, every boy, every girl in this place, and that we will be changed by the touch of the Master's hand, that we will be reformed, as it were, that we will be revived in the name of Jesus. We're asking tonight for the wonderful touch of God to anoint us to hear and to speak. We will not fail to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. We ask these things in the matchless, wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to you, O Lord, there is a rise of glory. There is a rise of appreciation. There is a rise, O God, of adoration from this crowd tonight. 
receive it with our thanks we pray in Jesus name and everyone said amen the Lord bless you you may be seated would you clap one more time for the Lord with all of your heart and with all of your might This was the most unusual thing that I had ever seen. And when I came into this, it'll be 28 years ago this October, you people were a strange, emotional lot, to say the least, as far as I was concerned. But after I got the Holy Ghost, there were doors that opened for me. There were things that made sense to me. It was like all my life I had walked through a haze and suddenly the haze had lifted and I could suddenly now see clearly. And in the Evangelical Free Church where I attended before I came into Pentecostalism, they told me that I was saved if I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and accepted Him as my personal Savior. May I say tonight that you are at the mercy of those who teach you unless there is an extreme hunger inside of you that reaches for something more than what you have been told. And I knew from reading the scriptures, though I didn't know how to find it or how to approach God, I knew that there was something more to this Christianity than what I had known as a child in the Baptist church and what I was now seeing in the Evangelical Free Church in Des Moines, Iowa. I knew that there was something far more to it because if the Bible declared that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, it wasn't like that where I was attending church. On Sunday night service, for example, we began at 7 o'clock and the service was dismissed sharply at 8 o'clock. No one prayed except one man. The same man prayed almost every time that we had service because he had a way with words and it sounded good. But he never told God the things that I wanted to tell God. He never somehow expressed to God the sentiments of my own heart and soul and life. So I was, shall we say, extremely handicapped. And I went along like that. And I made a vow to God in the Evangelical Free Church if He would help me to find the truth, the real truth, that I would go anywhere, I would say anything, and I would do anything if He would just save me so that it became more than a think-so situation, so it became a no-so situation. And God answers prayer. He answers prayer. But He doesn't always answer it the way we think He will answer it. And many times when the answer comes, it does not look like we want it to look. And after one visit among you people, I said to God, but God, this does not look like what I thought it was going to look like. He said, boy, this is what you prayed for, now get in it. So, I kicked my heels and saluted and said, yes, sir. And I came back and God gave me the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues. Now, 
When I got it, I prayed hard to get it. For one reason, I was a shy person. My basic personality is introvert made extrovert by the power of the Holy Ghost. And there are still things I don't like, and there are still things that embarrass me. I won't tell you what they are. But there are things I don't like to get involved with because it is my personality. It's just how I am. So, I had a difficult time yielding to God. I prayed Thursday night. I prayed Sunday morning. I prayed Sunday night. And I prayed Tuesday night. And we had church until 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning in Des Moines, Iowa. And when the people who had to go home went home, those that knew how to get with it got with it. And they would dance. I remember Sister Butcher. She danced like a Comanche Indian. We were there. I mean into it. But when I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it was such a tremendous experience. I had prayed so hard to get it. I got it on Sunday night, about 12.30, quarter one, somewhere like that, finally one o'clock in the morning. I spoke with tongues for over an hour and a half, lying flat on my back on the floor. And when I came out of it, I was looking up toward the ceiling of that basement. And Brother Butcher was leaning over me, and they were all grinning because they'd worked hard to get me. You can understand that they were glad that I had finally got the Holy Ghost. So... I looked into his face and I said, Brother Butcher, I've got it. I've got it. And he said to me, he said, boy, I'm afraid you do. And I've still got it tonight. 28 years later, I still have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But I was so excited about it. We took Brother Sabin to the train depot. He caught a train to go back to St. Paul to teach in the classes the next day at ABI. And uh, we went, Brother Butcher then took me on to my home. And he made a statement to me in the car as he took me home. In Iowa, they call me Brother Lee. He said, Brother Lee, he said, I hope now that you have the Holy Ghost, that you will wrap your entire life up in prayer and in fasting. I'll be honest with you tonight and tell you that at that time, I did not really understand fully what he was saying. But 28 years later, I have a better idea of what he was talking about. So the next morning I got up, the alarm went off, but I called the office at 8 o'clock and I said to them, I am not coming in today. They said, why not? Are you sick? I said, no. You wouldn't understand, but I'm just not coming in today. I'll be there tomorrow, but I'm not coming in today. They said, well, are you sick? I said, no, I just won't be there today. I declared a national holiday for myself that I had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I mean, I had prayed so hard to get it that I declared a national holiday for myself and I stayed home to practice this Holy Ghost. And I remember, I practiced the Holy Ghost all day long. I listened to Merle Ewing sing and Sister Mangan on records I had and reclined in my recliner and I could, I could turn this thing on and I could turn it off and I could speak these languages poured out of me and I would weep and then I would get happy and I would try to dance a little bit like I'd seen you folks do and um, I tried to loosen up. And the Holy Ghost just surged through my body. And it was that morning that I called my landlady. 
Ethel Petrie. I'll never forget her. And she was an older woman. Fred was, he was a cabinet maker and he was already gone to work. But I called her, I said, Ethel, I have received the Holy Ghost. And she was in bed with a migraine headache. I may have told you this before, but it's worth telling again. She had a migraine headache and she had been in bed for three days with this thing. And she was so sick, she couldn't have cared less what I had received. She said, I am sick in bed. Well, when you are just full of the Holy Ghost, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. You don't care what it is. I said, Ethel, listen. These Pentecostals anoint with oil and lay hands on for healing. And these signs shall follow them to believe. I'm coming over. Listen. When they are sick enough, they don't care what you do. They don't care who you are, what you call yourself. Just anybody that can walk on the scene, that can help them to feel better, they're glad to have you. Don't you ever forget it. So I went over, walked through, rang the doorbell. She didn't come. I walked through, walked in the bedroom. Her white hair was lying on the pillow. She was out of it. I said, Ethel, God has given me the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I said, these Pentecostals say that you can anoint with oil in the name of the Lord. I've seen them do it. I've been prayed for and healed. And I want to pray for you. Have you got any oil in the house? She looked at me. She said, there's some Mazzola oil somewhere in the kitchen. <laughs> I, I went to the kitchen excited. This was my first ministry to be performed. I was for the Holy Ghost, ready to go. I went in the kitchen. I found this big old bottle of olive oil. I was nervous. My hands were shaking. I took the cap off and I spilled the stuff. I had it all over me. But I was greased for the job. I was anointed for the task. And so I went back in here with oil dripping from my hands. And I said, Ethel, I'm going to pray. And I laid my hands on her head. And I simply said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, be thou healed. I don't think God cares what kind of oil you use. You could use Penn State, Quaker oil, whatever you want to. As long as when you anoint, you use a name that is above every name, even the name of Jesus of Nazareth. When I said in the name of Jesus Christ, suddenly she opened her eyes and she said, It's gone. She said, It's gone. It's gone. People have come again tonight to declare to you it is supposed to be gone. Something is supposed to happen when you pray in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Would you clap your hands? Would you shout with your voice unto the Lord tonight? For God is in this place and He is great and He is greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. So what I'm saying is this. That I was swinging from the chandeliers. Life was wonderful for me. I was saved and I knew it. It was not a think so situation. And God was doing things for me. And I had prayed so hard to receive the Holy Ghost. That when I went back to church now after having received it. 
it did not occur to me not to go back to the altar. So every service, even though I had the Holy Ghost, I would go back to the altar and I would pray for hours as long as they stayed. I would pray in a corner. I would intercede. I would pray in tongues. I would worship God. I would come home from work at night and lie down on the floor because I was tired and I would worship God and I would talk to Him and I learned how to put words together. Not a half a dozen Jesuses and ten hallelujahs and fourteen glories. I learned how to put words together. I put words together to tell Him exactly what I wanted. I laid it out for Him. We need to be specific when we come to Him. Not just, Lord, bless me, but God. One, two, three, four. Under this fifth rib, there's a pain. Right here. I want you to do something for this situation. Right here. We need to be specific when we talk to God. And so I prayed, and I worshipped, and life was wonderful. And I went off to Bible school, and I loved being able to learn the Word of God. And in those days, they had marvelous teachers, and, and I absorbed it like ink to a blotter. You see, I knew something about the Bible before I got the Holy Ghost. But if you were to buy a novel downtown at the bookstore and read it, you would get something out of it, no doubt. But if you could become personally acquainted with the author and find out what his motive was in writing that book, the point he was trying to get across, you would have an insight to the book and the story that the average reader would never have. So when you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, friend, you become personally acquainted with the author and he begins to show you things in here that you never knew before, that you never saw before, and you can suddenly see. And I was excited, tremendously excited. And I prayed. I remember every day at break time, they, the students would go downstairs and they would play ping pong. I'm not against ping pong, but I'm telling you this, that for three years, I never played ping pong once. I went to the prayer room and prayed. And the prayer I prayed every day was this, God, help me, help me, help me. Do not live in vain. Don't let my living be in vain. Don't let me just occupy space on planet earth. Don't let my living be wasted in this world. Make me a blessing to people. Make me a blessing to others. I prayed it over and over and over again for three years. And life was wonderful. And then... I got out of Bible school and I settled down in a town to pastor and that is when the real battle began because when you go into a city and you declare I am here in the name of the Lord and I've come to raise up a work don't think that the devil's going to pack his bags and walk out because you walked in He's been there for who knows how long. And the battle begins. And the battle began. And the struggle. There were days I prayed just like I had always prayed. I worked at it as hard as I had always worked at it. But there were days when it was like the heavens were brass. And my prayers went only to the roof of my mouth. And fell back on my tongue again. 
There were days I would drive out of the city limits just to get some kind of relief from the pressure in the area. I can remember going to church on Webster Street. I can remember going through the motions. Nobody got the Holy Ghost. We went through the motions. You could hardly feel anything. We knew how to conduct a service and we did it. And we kept at it and kept at it and kept at it. The pressure was unbelievable. There is a spiritual warfare to be fought. And there are cities to be conquered and there are devils to break. And so, there came a day when I became desperate. And when you become desperate, you'll do things that you wouldn't normally do. That's why I got the Holy Ghost. I was desperate. That's why you got it. So, in my desperation, I was walking the floor one day, pleading with God, trying to touch Him. And I needed to know if God still heard me. I needed to know if He was still there, somewhere in my life. Have you ever been there? So I walked into my pantry. And in my pantry, I had one of those promise boxes. You know, the thing you buy in the Christian bookstore and set on the counter or the shelf or the table to make it look good or whatever. Hardly ever used them, most of us. I'd never used the thing. Didn't know what was in it. But I was desperate. And I walked in the pantry. I was walking in every room, pleading the blood of Jesus, asking God to be in that place, asking angels to be there. And I stopped and I looked at that promise box and I said, Jesus, I'm going to do something. I don't know for sure if this is the thing to do or not, but I am desperate and I have to know that you hear me. I've got to know that you understand and that you care. And I'm going to pull a scripture out of this box and whatever that scripture says, I'm going to take it as the word of the Lord, as if you were standing here personally speaking to me. Whatever I read from that verse of scripture is going to be your voice to me. I've got to hear from you. I must hear the voice of God. And with the hand that was shaking, I reached up for the box and I pulled out a verse of scripture and I turned it over and I looked at it and I began to read out loud. And the scripture said, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And I felt the Holy Ghost, just like I did the first time I got the Holy Ghost. It was like being saved all over again. The witness was there. The touch of God was upon me. And I felt something fall away from me. And I felt anchored again. Can you understand that? It was tremendous. It was absolutely tremendous. And so then, the day went on. It was tremendous. The next day came. It wasn't quite as glorious the second day as it had been yesterday. And then the next day came. I didn't feel exactly what I had felt when I read that scripture in the pantry. And then the third day came, and I couldn't feel hardly anything. And the pressure was back, and this canopy of darkness, the best way I can explain it, had covered me over again and there was just it was just a, a pressure and I could feel the opposition in the spirit world and I was walking the floor again 
and you know how we are, you begin to wonder, you begin to doubt, was that really God? Was that really God that spoke to me from that verse? Or was it just coincidence? Was it just a coincidence I pulled that scripture out? Or was the Holy Ghost really in it? Now I'm not advocating you do this. I'm just telling you what I did in desperation. As I walked the floor praying, I thought, I will do it again. And so I said, Jesus, I'm going back to the pantry once again. I'm going back to that box one more time. And I've got to hear from you just one more time. I've got to know that you are with me. I've got to know that you hear me. I've just got to know that you are there. And so I walked back into the pantry. And with the hand that was shaking more this time than the first time, I said, Jesus, whatever I pull out of here is going to be your voice to me. And I'm going to hold on to it and receive it and accept it as if you were here personally talking to me. And I reached up and pulled out a verse of Scripture. And I took a few seconds to turn it over. But finally I turned it over and my hand was shaking. And I began to read. And the Scripture simply said, For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Something happened to me. Something happened to me that day. They're still alive in my soul tonight. I have never doubted from that moment to this. But what God is with me, that He cares, that He understands, that He fights for us, that He is there in the shadows, that He is there in the sunlight, that He cares about the most infinitesimal things, that there is no problem too big or too small to bring to Him, and that it is true. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He is forever there. He is forever there to hear us and to hearken to our cry. There is a witness of the Spirit in this place tonight. Somebody is suffering here. Somebody is agonizing in this place. Somebody needs to know that God hears and answers prayer. Would you clap again? Would you shout with your voice unto the Lord with the voice of triumph? Hallelujah, Jesus. I thank you. I thank you. Can you feel faith in this place? Can you feel the touch of the Holy Ghost in this house tonight? God is in this place. Wonderfully in this place. Hallelujah. It's so refreshing to see young people on their feet. It's so refreshing to see young people jumping up and down. It's so refreshing tonight to see saints of God worshiping. Shouting and clapping with their hands. Oh, let's do it one more time with all of our might. Because the Bible does say to clap your hands, all ye people, and to shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. And there is triumph in this house. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. People began to get the Holy Ghost. The spirit world seemed to crack away. God was alive. And my soul was refreshed and on fire. And then by accident, it was a total accident that this happened. But I stumbled across something that 
permanently changed my life forever. And I want to share this with you tonight. I was in, and I'm going to ask you not to move in and out. There's a lot of moving. I know it's the first night, a lot of small children, all of it is, but try to stay seated. This is not a long message. And I want God to speak to you directly. <clears throat> but I was preaching in Connecticut, and I was in the pastor's office, and he had lots of things lying around. And I picked up a piece of paper, a pamphlet, it was a printed sheet, and I began to read. And as I read, my soul became totally electrified. This article changed my life permanently until prayer was no longer chore. Prayer was an exciting adventure. Prayer was an experience. Prayer became a key. It became a door. It became an avenue. It was a channel. This article said, Dr. N. Jerome Stowell, a leading nuclear scientist in the United States of America, said, with a delicate instrument which we have devised, we can measure the wavelengths of the brain. This scientist goes on to say, recently we checked the emanations from the brain of a woman near death. She was praying at the meter registered 500 positive. This reading was 55 times the power registered by a 50 kilowatt broadcast station sending messages around the world. <laughs> In the same hospital, we trained the meter on the brain of a man cursing God. The meter pegged 500 minus. These are two extremes so far indicated on the instrument. This scientist says, we are on the threshold of spiritual discoveries. No one can fathom the literal pull a Christian exerts when he is in personal contact with God. <clears throat> this is not a Pentecostal writing, this is a scientist. He says, it is tangible far beyond the comprehension of mortality. It is similar in one sense to that which we know as radar. These experiences have caused me to turn to God. I have been a Christian only a short time, and I know little of the way. This I do know. The things of God are positive. <laughs> We are on the threshold of spiritual discoveries. He then says, I will endeavor to keep my life far above the zero indication. The world little realizes the impact of believing prayer. It is a moving of the resources of the infinite. And I thought, God, if a woman, a woman near death, feeble in her efforts praying, if her prayer 
was 55 times the power of a 50 kilowatt broadcast station sending messages around the world, what then would a Holy Ghost filled Pentecostal's prayers do to the machine? It would blow it up! It would blow the machine to pieces! I mean, if a woman near death caused the meter to go clear over to 500, can you imagine what a tongue talker who was full of the Holy Ghost would do to that scientific machine? It would blow it to pieces because there's a power inside of us tonight that is unmatched by anything in this entire world. It changed my life forever. It transformed me forever. And I said, God, I'll take it a step farther. Because in the early 70s, they had these telstars, these satellites in outer space. And they were beaming radio waves toward them. You remember reading about all of this. And they were saying that they could beam radio waves toward this satellite or this telstar. And then they could bend those waves down on the other side of planet Earth. I said, God, I will use your throne as my tell star. I will be my prayers towards your throne. You mix your spirit with my prayers and bend them down in Africa. Bend them down in Asia. Bend them down on foreign soil. But bend them down. Do you understand what I'm saying tonight? We have a hold of the greatest tool that is known to man. The power of prayer. There is no power like it. And it's free. It is easy to do. It's a matter of opening your mouth and expressing yourself in the presence of Almighty God. Does prayer work? Ask somebody who has really prayed. If you want to know if prayer works, ask somebody who has really prayed. Hallelujah. There are people shaking in their seats tonight. There are people clapping. There are people running. You know why? Because there is a witness of tremendous truth in this house of God tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I have come to believe. I am thoroughly convinced. I am altogether persuaded that power is the greatest force in the entire world. Mary, Queen of Scots, summoned John Knox into the palace in Edinburgh, and she threatened him with his life if he did not stop preaching against her. He stood to his feet, and he said to her, he said, if you kill me, he said, my soul will fly away to rest in the bosom of Jesus. It so frustrated her, she turned to the royal court and she said, how do you handle a man like this? How do you deal with a man like this? It is written in history that she feared the prayers of John Knox more than all the armies of Europe. The power of prayer. I am totally persuaded. I am altogether convinced. No one could change my mind that through prayer there is no problem that can't be solved. There is no sickness that can't be healed. There is no burden that can't be lifted. There is no storm that can't be withered. There is no devastation that can't be relieved. There is no sorrow that can't be erased. There is no poverty cycle that can't be broken. There is no sinner that can't be saved. There is 
no perishing that can't be rescued. There is no fallen that can't be lifted. There is no hurt that can't be removed. There is no broken relationship that can't be mended. There is no difference that can't be resolved. There is no hindrance that can't be shaken. There is no limitation that can't be assaulted. There is no mourning that can't be comforted. There are no ashes that cannot become beauty. There is no heaviness that can't be covered with the garment of praise. There is no thirst that can't be quenched. There is no hunger that can't be filled. There is no dry ground that can't be flooded. There is no desert that can't bloom. There is no congregation that can't be revived. There is no preacher that can't be unctionized. There are no church pews that can't be filled. There is no church board that can't become one. There is no community that can't become Christianized. There is no nation that cannot become unctionized. There is nothing. There is no thing. There is no problem known to man that cannot be changed by the power of prayer. There is nothing. There is no thing. There is nothing. There is nothing that cannot be changed by the power of a human voice. Go ahead and shout. There's something in me tonight that wants to pray. There is something in me tonight that wants to dance. There is something in me tonight that wants to shout. Hallelujah. 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 I feel like for just a moment we ought to all stand and just give the Lord a standing ovation. Prayer is going to be answered in this camp meeting. Prayer is going to be answered in this camp meeting. Because Jesus is alive and well. There isn't anything he cannot do. I don't care what the problem is. He can save that son. He can save that daughter. He can mend that family. He can change the church. He can change the district. He can change your city. He can change your city. He can change anything. Because the power of prayer will bring it down. Uh, hallelujah. Uh, hallelujah. Lift your voice one more time. Let your burden out. Let your burden out for just a moment.
you may be seated. I've heard some of the most glorious stories about prayer <clears throat> in the 28 years I've lived in this. Some of the most wonderful stories that could ever, ever be told to the witness the attestation of the power of God himself. One of the greatest stories I ever heard told was told by Brother Fred Foster. He preached the General Conference in Oklahoma City, I don't know, five or six years ago. But he opened his message with this story, and I think I can tell it the way he told it. It's one of the greatest stories I've ever, ever heard. He said there was a man <coughs> who came down with a terminal illness, and he was let go from his place of employment. And the prognosis and the medical diagnosis was that he would die in a very short time. So he was sent home to die without a job, without any hope. This man had been accustomed to working the midnight shift. For years he had worked from 12 midnight until 8 o'clock in the morning. And so he thought to himself, I am accustomed to being awake during these hours anyway. <clears throat> he said to himself, he said, I cannot work, so I will pray. And at 12 o'clock midnight, when he normally would be going to work, he knelt and he prayed until the time came for his coffee break. He stopped praying, took his coffee break as he had always done. When the coffee break was over, he went back and prayed until it was his normal lunch time. He stopped praying, took his lunch, ate the lunch he had fixed, finished his lunch, his lunch hour, went back and prayed until the next coffee break, <coughs> stopped, took his coffee break, and went back to praying and at 8 o'clock in the morning when he normally would punch out and go home he stopped praying and he went to bed he did that night after night after night and he prayed for 20 years Brother J.T. Pugh tells this story. He tells of a man who was involved in an accident and was placed in the hospital in a coma. The, the family was gathered together and the doctors told the family that he would never come out of this coma. And they prepared the family for his decease, his demise, and this was the prognosis. This was their diagnosis. And so the family <coughs> accepted it. But this man's name was Bill. And Bill had a habit. Every day for years and years, Bill had prayed 
at exactly the same time. There is something to be said for that, you know. He had his special time every day that he prayed to God. And the most unusual thing happened in the hospital. <clears throat> Even though he was in a coma and he was attached to several instruments and machines, every day at the same time, all of his vital signs would register normal, just like that. Now when Bill <clears throat> was well, every day when he went to God to pray, he started like this. He always began his prayer by saying, Hello God, it's Bill. And he would begin to pray. But now he was in the hospital in a coma and he could not pray. Yet every day at the same time, for some unknown reason to medical science, all of his vital signs would register normal and all the needles on the instruments would be normal. And it would last for a period of time and then everything would become erratic again. Bill did come out of the coma. And when he came out of the coma, he had this story to tell. And he stood and told it. Every day, at the same time, the Lord came to him. And he said, hello, Bill. It's God. <laughs> oh, do that again. There are people that are weeping and there are people that are crying. If the musicians would come, and no one moving now, I promise you as a man of God, if you pray and you live for God consistently, when you reach a place in your life that you're unable to reach for Him, He will come to you and he will reach for you. And I've got this strange feeling tonight that there are people here that Jesus is walking up to and he is saying, Hello, it's God. I've come for you. I've come to touch you in this place. Would you lift your hands? Would you let your voice out? This man right here is saying, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. You think Jesus doesn't respond to that? I'll tell you that he does.
obey without ceasing. Don't ever stop. Pray in the morning time. Pray in the noon time. Pray in the evening time. Pray at midnight. Wake up in the night praying. Pray on the way to work. But pray. Pray without ceasing. will be different and you will be changed. You will leave with my gifts in arm. You will leave with my power bestowed upon your shoulders. Yea, my mantle floats above you. It is there for those that will reach out and touch. I, the Lord, have come to this place and I rejoice among you. Oh, be glad, my people, for my voice is heard among you. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. Would you stand tonight in the presence of the Lord? At the beginning of this camp meeting, is there anyone here, has anyone heard the voice of God? And is there anyone here that would respond by saying, I will pray more than I've ever prayed this year, what's left of it. I will be changed. As he has said, I will be different. As he has said, would you come? Would you come unashamedly, uninhibitedly? Would you come lifting hands and voices? Let tears roll down tonight unchecked. Let voices be released tonight. it whatever it is change me Lord change me change me Lord don't let me stay the same don't let me stay the same